scary world. Hey, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to episode 40 of Dead, Dead Time Stories. Girl. 40, 40, bum, 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 bum. We're 10 episodes away from 50. 40, 30, and fly. Hmm, I've messed it up. 40, flirty, and thriving. <laughs> All right. That works? Sure. We'll take it. We'll take it. I'll take it. it. I'll take it. We'll take it. I was thinking about the timing of this episode, and I was like, no, the other one was Happy Valentine's Day, because I was about to be like, Happy yeah. Valentine's Day. Nope, not that. Oh, no, that was last week. Hope you guys had a Happy Valentine's Day. Me too. Hope you enjoyed our stories. Hope you enjoyed Joe's story. Joe was very nice and sent a thank you follow-up email. Obviously, uh-huh. she hasn't heard the episode yet. as of the time that we're recording it, but I emailed her and told her to keep an eye out for it. Because so. out. Girl, thank you, yeah, Joe. Thank you for that your scary. story. And if anyone else wants to send us stories, you can email us at deadtimestories. With a Z. All one word at gmail.com. Um, well, real fast before we get into our ghosts and our 40, dirty, 40, flirty, thriving stories, I have not a pooper intendant update because things are quiet on the pooper intendant front. Dang. But uh, for Christmas, Mary Angela, we all remember Mary Angela. Mary Angela gave me a uh, calendar for 365 facts that will scare the shit out of you. Nice. And I got one that was really good that I ripped it off and I said, you know what? I got to save this because this is real funny and I'm going to say it on the podcast. Hopefully you find it as funny as I do. Get it, girl. And this is a fact. And this was on Friday, February the 1st that this fact came into my life. And it is... In instances of severe bowel obstruction, it is possible for the fecal matter contained in the small intestine to be ejected back out the stomach and vomited out of the mouth. No! 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 You can shit out your mouth. Right out the mouth. Do you want to throw up, though? What if it's poop? Sarah, I hate you. (laughs) You know what? What do you think it tastes like? I hate you so much right now. Have you seen the episode of South Park where Cartman does that? No, but I was going to tell you that... You hate me? Besides that I hate you, (laughs) this weekend um, my tummy wasn't feeling so good, and I pooped, but it looks like throw up. (laughs) Well, be glad it didn't come out the other end. I am. I'm really... I would much rather poop throw up than throw up poop. Like, yes, I would much rather... Yes. My dog has thrown up poop, and it's not pretty. (laughs) You've been there. (laughs) She's wrenching because of the smell. I'm legitimately wrecking right right now. It was... It's so bad. It was so bad. It was... (laughs) Sarah, it was so fucking gross. I know. I've had to clean it up before, too, when he does that. Oh, because no, not that. Like, not just that. There was the time that my cat got locked in your room and then Snoopy went in there and ate the cat's poop and And then came down and threw it up. Yeah, that I'm not exact. That was probably the worst smell I have ever smelled in my fucking life. Not just like thrown up poop, but like he threw up cat poop. Like it was (laughs) (laughs) it was a whole nother level of poop. Vomit. I'm glad you guys can't see my like gag face right now because legit, I've been I've been gagging, and it's not like good gagging. This is bad gagging. <laughs> she's not gagged. She's. Good. I'm not gagged. I'm like. Yep. Uh, yep. So um. Yeah, it, it can happen to people. Till it happens to you, you don't know how it feels. There could be a hundred poops in the room. <laughs> And 99 of them might be coming out of your butt, but it just takes that that one one to come out of your your mouth. mouth. (laughs) 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 It's fucking disgusting. I had another poop thing with it. Oh, yeah. We've also been talking to Stephanie a lot. Uh, Guys, we're in Philadelphia, and one of the best museums in Philadelphia is the Mutter Museum, M-U-T-T-E-R, and it's a museum of physical abnormalities and other weird um, things of science in anatomy and in that museum they have the world's largest colon they do and, then and they i have wonder, a stuffed animal version of it that you can buy and take home they do but it is not as big as the actual version not like that that's I not know. cool well it wouldn't have been a stuffed animal if they made a plush one it would have just been like a beanbag colon 
It was big. Right. It is big. It's still there. But then I wondered, did he ever poop out of his mouth? But probably not because he died from bowel obstruction. But he might have he might have had like poop burps. <laughs> I hate you. Do you want to change subjects? <laughs> Speaking of poop, there's uh, finally a ticket link for my one woman show. <laughs> If you go to badsex.bpt.me, M-E, uh, you can get tickets to my one-woman show called Bad Sex and Other Problematic Analogies. It's Friday, April 5th at the Rotunda. And I've had a bunch of people ask me if it was the f- main theater or the back theater, and I didn't realize there were two theaters. So my answer was, I don't know. But today I asked the producer, and he said, it's the main theater. It's a the big theater. Yay. It's not the... Not the sanctuary, as he called it. Yeah. So what? Tickets well, are what? $15. That's, That's super cheap. That's a steal. For the world premiere of my one-woman show, Bad Sex and Other Problematic Analogies. Um, again, that's badsex.bpt.me. Uh, and you can buy tickets now for my show in April. What? 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 Can you believe it? I can. Oh. <sighs> So, Stephanie, y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? I'm going first, right? Do you want to go? Who went first last time? Me. Oh, Or no, you did. Sorry, you did. did. Okay, so you're going first. You went first on Sunday, which is last week to these people. I know. (laughs) Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? Well. (laughs) I know we're both really excited because if you guys didn't hear, this is our 40th, flirtiest, thrivingest episode. I still wish I had more stuff because there's there's just so much. There's just so much stuff. And um, what I didn't have time to do was finish the Netflix documentary, but I got other research. So uh, I'm, I think I mentioned last time that I'm talking about Ted Bundy today. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, <laughs> there's a documentary on Netflix, which y'all know I love. Netflix or documentaries or both? Both. Netflix documentaries are legit. They're on par right now. And I know how it's your dream to get murdered by me and be on a Netflix documentary. I never said dream. I just said if it happened, "Ah, here's the evidence. I wish. I can't wait. I don't don't know. Um, Guys, look, she's already putting words in my mouth. So if she lies to the cops, you all have it right here. Because there's this post I've been like sitting on to post on Instagram about... How? murdering me not you specifically <laughs> but y'all see it because i'm gonna post it after this episode but it's like uh how netflix is like casting calls but it's talking it's like a casting call where they're like you love our documentaries about serial killers there just aren't enough serial killers would you be interested <laughs> would you want to be a serial killer right would you want to be a murderer for a netflix documentary and i was like well how much does it, pay? it pay right <laughs> You, you get me. <laughs> that so. reminds me of the, did you, I feel like I told you about it, but I can't remember if you ended up watching the casting Jean Benet Netflix documentary oh, yes. about casting yes. actors for a documentary. It was so It was so interesting. On so many levels. Just the way the, the way they so did it was interesting. And then as a person both who's obsessed with Jean Benet Ramsey's murder and as a person who's like, a film and theater person who's an actress like yeah it was fascinating because you're basically getting all these actors perspectives on like what they think happened oh and how they're gonna play the characters and yeah no and i feel like netflix released that as opposed to all the other documentaries they just sort of released it and left it and didn't do any promo and no one really talked about it because i just stumbled upon it randomly and i was like oh a new jean benet ramsey thing i knew about it i just like i hadn't gotten to it yet but i was like oh this sounds like it's totally up my alley it's so good it sounded confusing but interesting and then i watched it and i was like that was confusing but interesting i don't know if i even read what it was about i think i just like had an hour and a half and i was like jean benet ramsey i'll give it a shot did i ask you yet if you've watched russian doll i think you have and i have not okay i'm almost done with grace and frankie okay i mean like two episodes left the most recent grace and frankie so good i bet it is and i know paul is there is dolly there i have not seen dolly yet okay then i doubt it i got two episodes left Two, three, two, something like that. I also uh, plan on watching Abducted in Plain Sight. 
Did you watch that one? I couldn't. I couldn't get through it. Really? Yes. Okay. Not because it was so shocking. Oh, I was like, okay. No, but because, the like, the parents, you're like, you're so fucking stupid. And, like, how did you let this happen to your child? Oh. There are many situations where I'm like, I could totally understand how you could, like, how you this could happen. And, like, you could be a great parent and it only takes a moment. This was not, like, a moment. This was, like, a series of stupid oh. mistakes. All right. Um, that you're well. just like, wow, like, okay. Well, tell me about Ted Bundy, who purposely killed people, not just negligent parents. We did. We we will. We will talk about Ted Bundy. And he did. He did kill people on purpose. He wasn't just a a negligent parent. Um, Not just. No. (laughs) (laughs) So Ted Bundy, there's just, like I said, there's just so much information. So it's a lot. And it's hard to really, like, encompass all of it. So he... What we know that he was primarily active from 1974 to 1978. And I don't know what you know about Ted Bundy. There's a lot of talk about this movie that's coming out right now uh, starring Zac Efron yeah. as Ted Bundy. Because Ted Bundy was considered, like, he was very handsome and he was very charming. And he was not who people, like, would have thought a serial killer would be. And not, like, he didn't have... It's not like he didn't have any friends or anything like that. Like, he had political aspirations. He was a... He did a lot of <laughs> campaign work for the Republican Party. Um, but what? Was, no. But oh, my gosh. But he was a gosh. very, like, serious? clean-cut, like, very, like, handsome, charming man. And he... Uh, like I said, worked on multiple campaigns because he was interested in politics. And he went to law school... So he was raised by his grandparents um, because his mother was uh, was unwed and it was one of those things where, like, he was raised by his grandparents and, like, not told, like, told that his mother was his sister. Oh, okay. okay. Um, By some accounts, by many accounts, he said that he had a really great relationship with his grandparents slash parents. (laughs) But Bundy and some of his uh, family members in 1987 gave interviews where they described his grandfather as a, quote, tyrannical bully um, and abusive towards his wife and dog. Ugh. I know. How dare... How could you hit your dog? I know. Now, so you could say maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. He said initially... He Now, he told all kinds of stories, so it's... That's why a lot of it is, like, hard to know what's real or, like, what happened when because he told a lot of different things to different people. Okay. Um, that was part of his, like... You know, being charming, like being a charming storyteller. He's so a it's hard to tell. Liar. Yeah. And not necessarily like it's part lying and part like just kind of what's what's the word I'm looking for? Fibbing? <laughs> just like exaggerated storytelling mm. where it wasn't like completely untrue and it wasn't necessarily li- like just like he would like exaggerate some details to one person, but then tell something else to somebody else. And it wasn't really about the lie. It was about like the compelling storytelling, which is ultimately like what <laughs> is his like downfall, by the way. So I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, you can say like, did did his childhood have anything to do with it? By a lot of accounts, he had a very happy, normal childhood and he was just kind of evil and one, one account, his uh, aunt Julia, his aunt slash great aunt, because it was his uh, grandmother's sister, but, like, he thought that was his mom. So by one account, his aunt Julia, who slash grand, uh, a great aunt, because it's his grandmother's sister, but he thought it was his mother's sister. She said that when he was three years old, she woke up one time surrounded by knives and he was there just standing there smiling. And he was three at the time. So, like, he might also just be a fucking crazy evil dude. What the fuck? And what was her reaction? I'm just like, what would your reaction be at right, that point? Ha, 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 ha. Oh, God, I don't even know. So, um, he went to uh, college at, uh, I think it was the, I wrote it down, but I've forgotten. I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. He went to his first college because he went to like three colleges. And he was in Utah and he was dating. His first serious girlfriend was a woman named Diane Marjorie Edwards. There's a gene in there somewhere, too. It's like Diane Jean Marjorie Edwards. She has like four names. Uh, One of those his, Mormons, you know? Right. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> uh, that was his first like real relationship. And he lost his virginity to her like during uh, working on the 
Dan Evans for governor <laughs> campaign, uh, who was a Republican candidate for governor in Utah. After graduation, he didn't get into any of the more prestigious law schools. He didn't get into any that he was trying to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had his bachelor's, but he like wasn't getting anywhere with that, and he wasn't becoming yeah. a lawyer. Yeah. And uh, Diane was like really going places, and she was like very smart. She came from like a really good family, had a very good social standing, and she was kind of progressing, and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, she moved on. Like she had moved away, and they were like writing each other over the summer, and then she just kind of like broke it off with him. Um, she had described his argument style as pitifully weak. She said that he didn't stand up for himself. Uh, and that, like, he always kowtowed to her, and that was one of the reasons she broke up with him, was that, like, he was a total pushover, and she had no respect for him as a man. Oh, yeah. Ouch. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who is he, she dead, or is she... <laughs> she... I think she's dead now, but she is not a victim of Ted she Bundy. She didn't die at his hand. But Oof. he said a lot of his, like, rage was, like, revenge on Diane. And there's more to that. Yeah. Um, so she, he like begged to stay with her and she was like, yeah, now like, I'm not interested. <laughs> Boy, bye. Uh, shortly after the breakup, he discovered his true parentage. So he found out that his grandparents, uh, his parents were really his grandparents and that his sister was his mom. He had a sister mom. So he was going through some shit. <laughs> um, yeah. he moved back to Washington state. So his moving around is a big part of how he got away with a lot of what he got away with mm-hmm. because working studying law and working with law enforcement he found a lot of like weaknesses in law enforcement and basically used those to his advantage Mm. and one of those things is how information is very poorly shared between different departments and different jurisdictions so basically he would only do kill like one or two people one or two like women in one like area and just move like a county or two over and keep doing it or like move into the next state just cross state borders kill somebody over there and he was able to get away with this for years because they wouldn't have any information about any other killings that were like that they would just be like oh these two girls were killed like what do they i don't know what do they have in common where do they go and not realizing that there was like this grander scheme this grander scam of all these women being killed damn um so he killed people in like washington he killed women in oregon he killed women all up in the northwest in utah Mm -hmm. like all those states northern california he would just kill a couple women in an area and just move to a different area (sighs) which is why he was able to get away with it for years Mm -hmm. um so it's suspected that he killed over 30 women it's hard to know which who was his first there is one account that Um, It was never proven, but one account suspected that he had, when he was 14, been responsible for the murder of, like, this eight-year-old girl. That was only speculated years later when all this other stuff came up. Because when he was, like, 14, there was an eight-year-old girl in his area that, like, disappeared and was murdered. And so years later, they were like, oh, was he responsible for that? When he was responsible for all these other things. Yeah, but, but he that never, was never said proven. anything. Yeah. Right, and he never confessed to that. He denied that. Okay. But he denied all of the murders initially. He denied everything really and truly up until right before he was put to death. Like, he was already on death row. He was convicted before that. Damn. Um, but he had initially been captured in 1978. And he fucking escaped and went to Florida and killed more women. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. How did he escape? If he was released on bail? Or did he literally, like, dig a hole through the prison wall with a spoon? Um, let me get to that. <laughs> God, God, what a piece of shit. So Colorado, that was an estate. Um, escapes. So on June 7th, 1977, Bundy was transported 40 miles from the Garfield County Jail in Glenwood Springs to Pitkin County Jail Courthouse in Aspen for a preliminary hearing. He had elected to serve as his own attorney. Of course. Right. <laughs> and as such was executed by the judge for wearing handcuffs and shackles, or sorry, was excused by the judge from wearing uh, handcuffs and leg shackles. During a recess, he asked to visit the courthouse's law library to research his case. Bundy was concealed behind a bookcase when he opened a window and jumped from the second story, spraining his ankle as he landed. After shedding an outer layer of clothing, he walked through Aspen as roadblocks were being set up on the outskirts, then hiked southward into Aspen Mountain. 
He literally just jumped out a window and walked away. Yes. But he didn't have handcuffs or anything on because he was serving as his own attorney. So they took off his handcuffs and shit. And then he was like, oh, can I go to the library? I want to, like, I just want to make sure I go over some stuff. And they're like, yeah, sure. And he was behind a bookcase and just jumped out the fucking window. Pulled a fucking George Bluth and just ran. Right? Uh, but he went into the, the woods and he got lost for two days. He wandered aimlessly on the mountain, missing two trails that led downward to his intended destination on June 10th. He broke into a camping trailer in Maroon Lake, 10 miles South of Aspen, taking food and a ski parka. But instead of continuing Southward, he walked back North towards Aspen, eluding roadblocks and search parties along the way. Jeez. Searching for him. Yes. Oh my God. Three days later, he stole a car at the edge of Aspen golf course, cold sleep deprived and in constant pain from his sprained ankle, he drove back into Aspen, where two police officers noticed his car weaving in and out of its lane and pulled him over. He had been a fugitive for six days. In the car were maps of the mountain area around Aspen that prosecutors were using to demonstrate the location of Karen Campbell's body, uh, which is one of one of his many victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his attorney, Bundy, had rights of discovery, indicating that his escape was not a spontaneous act, but had been planned. <sighs> of course. Back in jail in Glenwood Springs, Bundy ignored the advice of friends and legal advisors to stay put. The case against him, already weak at best, was deteriorating steadily as pretrial motions consistently resolved in his favor and significant bits of evidence were uh, ruled inadmissible. A more rational defendant might have realized that he stood a good chance of acquittal and that beating the murder charge in Colorado would probably have uh, dissuaded other prosecutors. With as little as a year and a half to serve on the Durant conviction, uh, had Ted persevered, uh, he could have been a free man. Instead, Bundy (laughs) simpled a new escape plan. Jeez. He acquired a detailed floor plan of the jail and a hacksaw blade from other inmates and accumulated $500 in cash smuggled in over a six-month period. He later said by visitors, um, Carol Ann Boone in particular, during the evenings while other prisoners were showering, he sawed a hole about one foot. So both kinds of escapes. He did both of them. Yep. Uh, sawed a, a hole about one foot square between the steel reinforcing bars and his cell and his cell ceiling. Having lost 35 pounds, was able to wriggle through it into the crawl space above. In the weeks that followed, he made a series of practice runs exploring the space. Multiple reports from an informant of movement... Uh, within the ceiling during the night were not investigated. Wow. By late 77, Bundy's impending trial had become um, like a, a thing that people were all paying attention to in Aspen. Bundy filed for a motion of a change of venue to Denver. On December 23rd, the Aspen trial judge was uh, granted the request, but the Colorado Springs, where jurors had historically been hostile to murder suspects, on the night of December 30th, the most of the jail staff on Christmas break and nonviolent prisoners on furlough with their families, Bundy piled books and files in his bed, covered them with a blanket to simulate his sleeping body, and climbed into the crawl space. Pulled an he, Alcatraz. He broke through the ceiling into the apartment of the chief jailer, who was out for the evening with his wife, changed into his street clothes from the jailer's closet, and walked out the front door to freedom. Oh, my God. <laughs> After stealing a car, Bundy drove eastward out to, uh, out of Glenwood Springs, but the car soon broke down in the mountains of Interstate 70. A passing motorist gave him a ride to Vail, 60 miles to the east. From there, he caught a bus to Denver, where he boarded a morning flight to Chicago. In Glenwood Springs, the jail skeleton crew did not discover the escape until noon on December oh 31st. Oh, my God. More than 17 hours later. By then, Bundy was already in Chicago. So then he went to Florida, uh, and in Florida, he murdered two more women before he was uh, captured. And by February 12th, with insufficient cash to pay his overdue rent and a growing suspicion that the police were closing in on him, Bundy stole a car and fled to Tallahassee. Uh, driving or fled Tallahassee, driving westward to the Florida Panhandle. Uh, three days later, at around 1 a.m., he was stopped by Pensacola police officer David Lee near the Alabama state line after a wants and warrants check showed his Volkswagen Beetle was stolen. When told he was under arrest, Bundy kicked Lee's legs out from under him and took off running. Lee fired a warning shot, followed by a second round, gave chase, and tackled him. The two struggled over Lee's gun before the officer finally subdued and arrested Bundy. In the stolen vehicle were three sets of IDs belonging to female FSU students, 21 stolen credit cards, and a stolen television set. Oh, my gosh. Also found were a pair of dark-rimmed non-prescription glasses and a pair of plaid slacks, later identified as the disguise worn by Richard Burton, fire department. 
apartment in Jacksonville. As Lee transported his suspects to jail, unaware that he had just arrested one of the FBI 10, uh, FBI 10 most wanted fugitives, he heard Bundy say, I wish you had killed me. So the thing about Bundy, remember we talked about how he was really handsome and charismatic. Very few of his victims did he sneak up on. There were a few women that he broke in in the night and bludgeoned them and, Mm -hmm. you know, raped and killed them. That was his thing. Uh, He, most women, he just approached in broad daylight and said either, like, pretended that he was hurt, either like, hey, I hurt my arm and I need to, like, move this couch into my van. Will you help me? Mm -hmm. Or he would come up and pretend to be, like, officer Rose Bloom or whatever, yeah. like uh, pretending to be an authority figure. He told like a woman in a mall, which I'm like, they didn't even ask her things that I'm only suspicious about now. But in the moment, I know I wouldn't be either where I'm like, how did he know it was your car where he approached a woman in a mall mm. and was like, ma'am, we found your car outside. It looks like someone was breaking into it. Can you please come outside? Make sure they didn't steal anything. We've got him locked away. And she was like, okay. And she went outside with him and she opened her car and he was like, really look in there and like see, can, you know, trying to get her to like lean into the car mm-hmm. so he could like get to her. But she just kept glancing in and she was like, nope, looks like nothing's gone. <laughs> like, like she wouldn't like All lean good in. here. Yeah. Right. Um, Dang. And she's one of the few people who got away where like he tried to get her, but like couldn't really get her to get into the car. Mm-hmm. Um, but he kidnapped her and at one point she like rolled out of the car. She was like, not today, Satan. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not playing with this. But literally, he, when that happened, just drove to a different town. Like, four hours later, he kidnapped and killed somebody else. Jeez. So, like, he didn't get her, but he just went up to a different town someone and got else. someone else in a different town. Oh. Um, so, when he, so the tapes, which that's what the documentary is about, no one could get him to confess to anything. And mm-hmm. like I said, he didn't actually confess until just a few hours before his uh, electrocution. That's how he was put to death um, in Florida. So, because, <laughs> God damn, because he killed women everywhere. But it was literally just the two women in Florida that he actually, like, went to jail for and mm-hmm. got to, uh, got a life sentence and also, like, death sentence. Yeah. So. Um, in Florida, they're not messing around. They don't play that game. Uh, so all of the girls that he kidnapped were all women who, just like Diane, they were very, like, pretty, pretty, like, well-off, very responsible women. Like, none of them, you know how people usually like to victim shame. Mm-hmm. Um, like, none of them were women who you could say, like, oh, she's the type. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, they were all really clean cut, very well educated, came from good families, very responsible, not the type of girl that just goes away and you don't hear about it. So they were all girls that were like his type, like his girlfriend had been that broke up with him. And she said that, so he, uh, when he was arrested initially, he was turned in by the girlfriend that he met, um, Elizabeth Klopper, who was from Ogden, Utah. That's who he was dating uh, at the time that he got arrested. She's actually the one that turned him in because they're the only piece of evidence that had come up anywhere was like one girl (laughs) who had been kidnapped. These girls were walking by when she was first talking to him. And he was like, (laughs) she's like, hi, my name is Jennifer. And he's like, my name is Ted. So they knew there was somebody named Ted who drove a Volkswagen Beetle somewhere in the Northwest, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, my boyfriend's charming and handsome and his name. And a lot of women call the cops to be like, my boyfriend is charming and handsome and he drives a Beetle and his name is Ted, right? All these women ratting on their boyfriends. On their boyfriends, which good for them. (laughs) Ooh, hold on. I mean, I love you, but if you're raping and murdering all these women in the Northwest... um, We're going to have to have a serious discussion about A lot of their remains were found in the same forest, Mm -hmm. even from, like, various things. Like, when they went to go search for him after he escaped, the woods that he escaped into, basically, that was the woods where he had all the bodies. Um, and a lot of the women's bodies, like he continued to go back and basically like molest their bodies until they were like decomposing. So he necrophilia was a thing that yeah, he it was did? like sometimes sex, sometimes he would just go and like do stuff to the bodies, right? Until they were like just completely like decomposing or had been partially eaten by animals and stuff. And he was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. How do they know that he was doing stuff to the bodies? Was that something he confessed or they found? 
both, like evidence of it and something mm-hmm. he had talked about. So the tapes, I keep skipping over this and moving on to other things. The tapes, though, like I said, he wouldn't confess to anything, but there was this reporter that was talking to him. And when he, oh, gosh, there's so many things. I'm like, oh, this, 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 this. So while he was with his second girlfriend, Elizabeth, the one that turned him in, at one point he had reconnected with Diane, and this was when he was, like, back in school. Like, he was going to school now for psychology, um, which is going to help him trick people, (laughs) and kind of rekindled a relationship with her. And so he was seeing both women at the same time. And then he, like, completely – they rebuilt their relationship, and they were, like, engaged. And then he just completely, like, cut her off and ghosted her. I I heard about this. And wasn't talking to her, right? And when she finally did talk to him again – he, he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, that never happened. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And she was like, I'm pretty sure it was just like, it was just a ploy, like, he to do what he had planned, all of that, just to get back at me for breaking up with him a couple years earlier. Mm-hmm. And he just wanted to prove to himself that, like, he could marry her if he wanted to, but he had moved beyond that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a sick fuck. Yeah, I was like, I remember that part of the story. Yeah, that's crazy. Part of me is like, girl, you lucky in a way. <laughs> like, you real lucky. You got a flight. Like, I'm sorry. He like convinced you to marry him he and then ghosted heart, you. But, but like, uh, he could have made you a ghost. Could have made you a ghost and defiled your body. Um, he kept some heads as trophies from a few women. Oh well, if it's just their head, is the no. But like, he took on. I'm, I'm like, night. did he cut off their the head and night. do th- when he did things to their body? Wasn't he also the one who had taken out the front passenger seat of his car so that he could lay them down? So if he was driving and he had he kidnapped a girl, they could just be laying I there. I didn't hear that, but I'm gonna look out for it. I was like, that might be him, or that might be another serial killer. That, but they took out. The front passenger seat of their car, so that they could have someone laying down bound, and no one would see and it, and you couldn't see it. Oh my God, um, that might be someone else. Though. So the thing about the tapes <laughs> is that this person, so they couldn't get him to confess to anything, but this reporter was like, "Okay, so we're not. I'm not saying that you did it. Can you talk to me as somebody who's studied law and psychology?" Tell me about the kind of person that would do this. Ooh, that's and a good that, way to do it. Right, was that's what clicked because this man loves to tell stories, and he's like, "Well, you know, it wasn't me, but I would think that this individual would do this. I would think he would stalk them. I would think he would approach them like this. I think that this would be the way that this person would go about it. This entity, that's how this person would do it." And then described. Many of the crimes in detail of how they took place and where they took place by doing this, you know, in theory, as an expert. Asking for a friend. uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's the name of this episode, BT Dad. (laughs) Ted Bundy just asking for a friend. friend. But really, though, like, that was how he would, how he, like, told the stories of all of his murders was he was just like, well, I think this person would do such and such. And under that guise, he gave up a lot of information. God. I know. What a fucker. <laughs> but what that also made me think of is I don't, I don't know if I've ever talked about this book on here before or not. I have this book and I still haven't read it and I've wanted to read it for years. If I Did It by O.J. Simpson. Are you familiar with this book? <laughs> I, I feel like I've heard of it. I'm not totally familiar with it, but I'm like, okay, sure. Cool. So it's called If I Did It. And it's O.J. Simpson's account of he didn't do it, but if he had done it, this is how it would have gone down. <laughs> right. Jeez. So if that like, that ballsy piece of shit, uh, that happened. So the family of, is oh, fuck, I can never remember his first name, Goldman, not Nicole Simpson, but the other one that was, bur- that was murdered. Murder of Nicole. Oh, you're still on O.J.? Yes. Oh, I thought we went back to Bundy. Sorry, I just need to talk about this book real quick. Because I'm like, this book was like, Ron Goldman, cool. So, the family of Ron Goldman sued O.J. Simpson for this book, mm-hmm. right? Because even though he he got away with murder, he wasn't found guilty, they had sued him for wrongful death, um, and they won. So, like, he owed the money, right? So, they sued him over this book so that he couldn't get any profits for it. That money all goes to the family of Ron Goldman. 
um, and Nicole Simpson. And because they took the rights of the book, they changed the cover. <gasps> so the initial cover is just OJ's face, and it says in big letters, if I did it. And the new cover <laughs> is just black, and it says, I did it, in huge letters, and if is like really tiny <laughs> and inside the letter I of I did it. So it's like, I did it. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yes. That's the kind of petty shit I aspire to one day. Just amazing. Just amazing. Um, but anyway, so going back to Ted Bundy, that was what reminded me of that was this like third person, like, well, the individual who would do this type of thing, I imagine he would go about it like this. He would talk what to them like that. Think? So he was a real piece of fuck. Uh, but he was found guilty in Florida for the two women that he killed when he was there after he had escaped in Colorado. And he was electrocuted in 89. So fuck him. Yeah. I was like, didn't this come out? Because it's what, the 30th? Yes, anniversary like the 30th of anniversary of his, his execution. Yeah, no. Fuck Ted Bundy. And the same person who made the documentary is who made the movie starring Zac Efron. I did know that. Yes. Yeah. And I honestly feel, I know a lot of people feel like it's romanticizing his story, but I disagree with that thought process. I don't think just to talk about someone and tell a story of someone isn't to romanticize them. And he's played by a handsome young guy because everyone talked about what a handsome young guy he was. And all these women turned out to his trial... Because they thought he was just so dashing and handsome. Mm -hmm. Regardless of, he raped and murdered over 30 women and dis like disfigured their bodies. And like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. women are just like, he doesn't seem like he's, he's handsome. So cute. Did you know he worked on uh, Dan Evans' Republican governor campaign? He's a Republican. He's got to be a good he's guy. A handsome, clean cut fella. Yeah, he's got to be good. He's a real Zac Efron type. Aw. Or Zac Efron's a real Bundy type. Um, I'm sorry, Zac Efron. I'm sure you're a stand-up guy. There was I'm a sure picture. you've only murdered one person. <laughs> and it was just to get into the mind of Ted Bundy. It was just for your character work. There was a meme that I saw where it was him <laughs> said, shocking, wicked, evil, like whatever the name of the new, whatever yeah. the movie is, right? But it was two pictures from High School Musical and it was him putting a necklace around Vanessa Hudgens' neck. And his character's name was Troy Bolton. And the necklace had a TB on it. And she's like, is it for Troy Bolton? And he was like, no, it's for Ted Bundy. <laughs> and then it was like, shockingly wicked evil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, so, I, yeah. That's my, that's my Ted Bundy talk. Thank you for Thank coming me. to my Ted Bundy talk. No, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my Ted Bundy talk. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Sarah, what are you talking about this week? Um, Hold on. I just hit something and lost my audio for a second. But now it's back. Let me get my notes. Well, I decided to split this into a two-parter. So this what? is our what? first two-parter. Because I realized if I want to do it, I want to do it right. And if I want to do it, I want to tell as much of the stories that I can tell. So what I'm going to start with today is I will be telling you, I'm calling this two-parter, unhappy stories from the happiest place on earth. <gasps> Yay! Disney! So it's all about Disney. And, and terrible things that happen there. Terrible, terrible things that have happened Ooh, there. Oh, I'm so excited. Now, I'm only going to be focusing on Disneyland and Disney World. I will not be going overseas no, to any Disney, of those. No, no. Disney. There's so much in the ones here. So what we're talking okay. about today, today <laughs> we're talking about all the unhappy circumstances and things that happened and then next week we're going to talk about all the ghosts there's a ton of ghosts there. because there's a ton of ghosts there's also a ton of deaths um but i only picked out a few of the big notable ones from disneyland and disney world of some crazy shit that happened there and a few of these ghost story or a few of these death stories will also overlap into ghost stories but oh yeah this is part one of part two of our series of unhappy stories from the happiest place on earth all right so we're going to start out um with the first one. So this Disneyland obviously came before Disney World. And this is Disneyland's first fatality. Shit. And it happened in 1964. And in 1964, 15-year-old Mark Maples was out visiting the park with his family and friends. And he decided to jump on one of Disneyland's first roller coasters, the Matterhorn Bobsled. 
Now, the Matterhorn is a bobsled that takes you on a journey through the Matterhorn Mountain in the Swiss Alps, zooming you in and out of the mountain cave. So it's a mixture of an indoor-outdoor ride. Okay. Um, so Mark, being a 15-year-old boy, and I guess wanting to show off for his friend or just being a dumbass 15-year-old boy, decides to unbuckle his seatbelt yeah, no, right at the point. That's going to be an overlapping Sorry. theme with a few of these deaths. You're, where you're, you're like, like, yeah, you fucking... You were dumb. You, you, you were real you dumb. Died. So, yeah. So, he's like, <laughs> watch this. Takes his seatbelt off. Decides to stand up right as they go over the first... Or over the steepest drop. And now he's dead. And he falls out. And then the he falls out in front of it. And, it and then it hits him. Yeah. And he didn't die immediately. <laughs> he was rushed to the hospital and died three days later from Damn. his injuries. But can you imagine being his friend sitting next to him, watching him fall out and then great Great for ruining their fucking lives. He ruined his friend's life. So um, he fell onto the tracks below, was run over by the car, died three days later in the hospital and most definitely scarred his friend for life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So in 1984, the Matterhorn had gotten its taste for blood and now it wanted more. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Once it got a taste of human blood, it couldn't turn back. Um. This is 48-year-old Dolly Regina Young was visiting the park with four of her girlfriends, and they all boarded the Matterhorn. Now, the Matterhorn, the way it's set up is you've got two cars together, and they look like bobsleds, but they're on a track. But they're two cars together, and that's one train, and that goes. And you've got two cars, one train. So her and her friends are in the... They're either in the second car or they're split between the first and the second car. Her four friends doubled up and sat in the seats in front of her. And then she was the odd man out. And she was sitting in the last seat of her train car. So it's not totally assumed what necessarily happened. But midway through the ride, she was thrown from the car back onto the tracks behind her and then was hit by the the next next oncoming car and died instantly. But her friends didn't realize that she was gone until the ride was over. And they looked back. And then as soon as that, as soon as she hit that other train, I think they said it was like 30 seconds after, you know, that accident happened and they had pulled into um, the end and was like, Dolly, how was, (gasps) and she's gone. They shut the ride down immediately, removed her remains. But what again is really weird about her circumstance was she obviously didn't undo her belt buckle. They do the safety checks where they walk by and see if your buckle's fastened. So it's assumed that her buckle was fastened when the ride started. But by the time she died and they inspected the ride, that buckle was unfastened. It was not broken. It was unfastened. So it somehow that buckle came undone during the ride. I want to say six or eight months later, Disney changed the type of safety buckle on that ride um, into one of the snap ones because before I think it was one of the loop ones that mm-hmm. looped through. Um, they claim that it was no direct correlation to her death that spurred the change, but it but seems also, like it was. Yeah. But dear old Dolly does still hang around her Matterhorn tracks, and we'll talk more about her next week because she's one of the ghosts oh, of she is. who takes over. No word about Mark. I I was thinking when I was researching, I was like, holy shit, what if Mark is such an asshole that he undid her seatbelt so that she would die and join him? That's real. I don't know. We'll see. So Dolly will make an appearance next week, but Dolly was the second life that the Matterhorn claimed once it got a taste for blood. That's not the only ride at Disney that's had a taste for blood. No, of course not. And is out to kill people. Um, You have the people mover of Disneyland has claimed the... Claimed the lives that's of the two, tram, right? two separate individuals. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the tram that's inside the park. It's not the monorail that takes you around the outside. Now, the monorail has also killed someone. So all of your, like, rail, take people around above the ground rides are murderers. Because Greg worked there in whatever, whenever it was, 2009 or 2008 or not 2008. I think it was, like, 2009 or 2010 mm-hmm. when a kid got died on like the monorail i think really i didn't see that one greg used to work greg was working there when that happened not working like at the time yeah but like greg did an internship at disneyland in florida which what's the one in florida? disney world is the one in florida Boom, yeah i was like i didn't see any about disney world necessarily but i've got all the ones for disneyland mm-hmm. um so 
basically, yeah, the people mover is just a continuous like tram of cars that doesn't stop, but it moves slow enough to where you can just walk onto it from the designated platforms. And then it takes you around different places in the park. Yeah. And in 1967, literally like a month and a half after the ride opened, another dumbass 17 year old kid decided to pull a stunt and 17 year old Ricky Yama decided it would be funny to jump out of his car while it's moving down the tracks and move down to his friend's car behind him. His problem was, was he got off, not at a designated platform. He got off right where there was a tunnel. He lost his footing as he was walking. He slipped and fell and he got ran over and his body was dragged for several hundred yards until they were able to get the thing stopped because it had just opened months a month before. So none of the employees knew what to do. They didn't know how to stop it. They didn't know how to handle the situation because it hadn't happened before. So he was hit and then he was his body was dragged. And of course, by the time they got to him, he was pronounced dead. And then in 1980, an eerily similar incident happened when 18-year-old Gerardo Gonzalez decided to cr- uh, climb from his car to another car during the ride. Um, it also happened at the same tunnel that the other kid had it happen. And same thing. He got off. He lost his balance. He got ran over. And he was dragged for about 100 feet Damn. before they stopped the ride. So the people mover in Disneyland is going to kill you if you don't keep your arms, legs, hands inside the ride at all times. At all times, you little asshole. At all times. Now, again, this isn't the people mover, but this one is the monorail at Disneyland. And in 1966, which this happened before people mover was even opened, uh, another fucking 19 year old decided he was going to break into the park by climbing up onto the monorail and walking down into the park and jumping back down. So he climbs up. He gets up onto the monorail where the tracks are and the security guard sees him and starts yelling at him because the train is coming. coming. But the kid ignores him and... He's hit by the train. And once again, he's dragged for like several. How long is he dragged? He's dragged for about 30 to 40, 30 to 40 feet before they're able to get it stopped. And later in questioning, the security guard who had yelled at him reportedly said he had to hose the kid off of the underside of the monorail. Oh, my God. These fucking kids, they don't listen and then they die. So, cool. Like, if you want to take your kid to Disney World, make sure it's, like, they have to be 12 and under, or they can wait until they're goddamn grown up and go themselves. I don't know. I didn't tell about this story because no one died, but a fucking, what was he, like, a 11-year-old kid or whatever put his hand out during Pirates of the Caribbean and lacerated fingers. Cool. Change it to 10 and under. You know what? A grown-ass man did it, too, on Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, lost some fingers. I just mean you as a parent. They want to go when they're an adult and act a damn fool and lose a finger or die. Like, that's on them. That's on you. You as a parent. I just don't take your teenager there because they're fucking stupid. Because they're an they're idiot. Like, <laughs> Look at me. I'm standing up. I'm stand up now on the ride. I'm dead. Now I'm decapitated. There's a rumor that a death happened by someone standing up on one of the rides. I believe it's Big Thunder Mountain and that they got decapitated. That is not true. Um, That's not a true rumor. Now, in 1973, uh, you had another teenager, 18-year-old Bogdan Delaroy and his 10-year-old younger brother thought it would be a good idea to hide after hours and stay on Tom Sawyer's island and hide out from security guards and play around after hours on the island. Um, now, you know, I'm sure Tom Sawyer's Island is just like this little man-made island in the middle of the park, but the only way you can get to the island is by crossing over the River of Americas on like a boat. You have to do a boat. There's no bridge. There's no nothing. It's out on this island. So the boys were out on the island after hours. They managed to pull it off. They're out there playing and then they get bored and they have to find a way to get back to the mainland without getting caught or getting in trouble. So the 10-year-old brother couldn't really swim. So the 18-year-old brother is like, no big deal. Jump on my back. He got about halfway across before he drowned. So the older brother drowned and the younger brother also drowned. Basically doggy paddled himself. I can't. I saw miss like different things, but he he doggy paddled himself to safety, whether that means he made it all the way to the other side or if someone finally saw and came out and got him. Either way, the little brother found his way to safety and they got the older brother's body the next morning. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? Like, I'm terrified. It's of- also like, it's your own fault. You're such an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. But also, 
what a way to learn how to swim. I'm, I'm also really like terrified because of the, now I know this wouldn't be in that water specifically, but the little the alligator by the alligator, which I know you're probably going to bring up. I'm yeah. not because it's on a Disney resort okay. and not in <laughs> the park. And that's another circumstance where I'm like, those parents were fucking stupid. That kid was like three. You don't leave it out of your sight long enough for it to wander down and get eaten by an alligator. I, mm. <laughs> that's one of those instances where I'm like, that is a quick thing where it only takes you looking away for a second for your kid to get away. And that ends really tragically. If I'm not mistaken but, about that story, though, they were in an area that they were not supposed to be right. in. I was going to say, but they also weren't supposed to be over there because there were alligators over there. So, I, but no, we don't talk about that because it's a Disney resort. Right. It's not like, in the I, park. It's like you can, I, it's too soon. <laughs> um, so then uh, one of the more recent, <laughs> one of the more recent deaths is, huh? Biggest fears, I'm sorry. Speed being eaten by, by an alligator. Crocodile. That's like one of my biggest fears. While being neglected by your parents. Well, <sighs> Considering I'm already an orphan, so <laughs> I always like to clarify I'm not an orphan in that both my parents are dead. I'm a Dickensian orphan and that one of my parents is that my mother is dead and my father is <laughs> not in the picture. <laughs> right. He went out to get smokes one day. I like to refer to myself as a Dickensian orphan. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, but that was a t- but you right. got Dickens. You got that was a resort. That was a Disney resort, not a, not a yeah. park. So we're not talking about it. But in 2003, 22-year-old Marcelo Torres was visiting Disneyland with friends, and he got on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is a rail- roller coaster that you jump onto what looks like a, a train right. and ride through mountains. Gold mines. Old West. And you stay in your car. And you stay in your car. That's not what happened to Marcelo. Uh, unfortunately for Marcelo's ride, um, a wheel assembly came loose, causing the entire train to derail. So everyone on that train, all 10 guests, were seriously injured. Unfortunately, though, Marcelo, who was sitting in the front seat, suffered the most severe blunt force trauma and internal bleeding, and he died during the crash. The problem with that, though, is that the rest of the passengers had to sit in the wreck until they could come and get them. And it took about 20 minutes while they sat there with this dude's dead body. They were sitting on the train with a dead guy. Yes. Blunt force trauma and severe internal (laughs) bleeding. (laughs) Didn't mean to ruin that moment for you. Yeah. With a dead they guy. They were stuck on a train with a dead guy. Oh, that's terrible. Um, so if that doesn't make you want to never go back to Disneyland again, I don't know what would. Um, so yeah, poor Marcelo Torres did everything he was supposed to do. But the ride operators who apparently heard a weird noise, but they were like, well, we're not mechanical people. Just keep it going. They're the ones who should feel awful because yeah. they heard the noise and it ended up derailing the whole train uh, and killing him. And then I only have one other really sad death story for you. I could talk about some other ones that happened, but these are just the big ones that jumped out at me that I was like, wow, I really want to talk about these. Uh, If you as a listener have any, a lot of people have stories because they have relatives or friends who used to work there. And this is what they told us while they were working there. Obviously, it's hard to find that stuff online because Disney keeps everything under wraps as much as they possibly can. And that's not just a reference to that old school decom movie under wraps they literally keep everything under wraps so send us uh any murders or ghost stories that you know about disney greg what you got some stuff what you got greg anyone so one of the saddest ones though this one really makes me really sad happened in july of 1974 um an 18 year old employee debbie stone was working in the america sings attraction which is um the attraction that is basically like a big revolving you sit in an audience and there's a big revolving stage that takes you through multiple different vignettes and scenes so she's playing the host when she ended up getting stuck between a revolving wall and a stationary platform and she was crushed to death. She was squished like a bug. It's unclear as to exactly what prompted her to like move 
back to where she ended up getting stuck in that position. Um, there's speculation that like it was just an error on the fact that the ride had only been open for a few weeks. So again, the employees were not properly trained if it was just a misstep on her part. But either way, she ended up somehow during the intermission when the ride resets and spins back around standing in the wrong place at the wrong time and getting crushed and they couldn't stop the ride fast enough because they had only been open for a few weeks and they didn't know how. Oh my God. So that one really sucks because I feel like out of all the others, they seem to be a fairly quick death. Or even if you like fall out of a roller coaster and get run over and die a few days later in the hospital, number one, you did it to yourself by getting up out of your seat. Mark Maple, we all heard your story but hers was like she was just working she's doing her job and she just stepped into the wrong spot and then they couldn't do anything to stop it and she died in like the most horrific way and i'm Can just you imagine just like, how how slow uh. slow you know it's slow you know it's slow enough to where you it's not an instant but it's like fast enough to where she couldn't once she was there she couldn't get out i don't like it oh either so I'm going to leave you with that taste in your mouth until next week Speaking when we talk about, does it taste like poop in your mouth? No, I was going to say my finish five. Oh, well, let me finish talking about poor Debbie Stone being crushed before we move on to the sex stuff. <laughs> Debbie, we're real starting. I thought you were done. No, no, I was wrapping up. Crushed. I had to finish wrapping up because we're not, we're not totally finished. We're moving this on to next week, but we're saying we're going to leave it here. Keep Debbie Stone in your mind. God. All right. Side note about her, though. I was reading one article where they were interviewing and they were talking about how they, the journalist or whatever, had talked to her parents. And her parents apparently said to this journalist that they had come to terms with her death, of course, because they're God-fearing Christians. But that when they learned of her death at like 2 a.m. in the morning when they were informed that they got down on their knees and they prayed and they thanked God for the 18 years that they did have with her. Damn. I was like, oh, my God. Those kind of Christians. Right? I'm like, I would have broken something. Like, <laughs> my reaction wouldn't what have been. What kind of God? Right? Right. <laughs> they're like, well, thank you, Jesus. Whew, that was rough. So like tune she in. had a solid 18 years. She brought us some smiles. Oh. So tune in next week when we talk about the ghosts hanging around Ooh. Disney and Disney World. It is heavy. It's a little bit, a little bit heavy. Um, so, all right. On to your fetish five. What are we putting in our... You put what in your mouth? Yes. <laughs> That was the name for one of the classes at the conference we, we went to, at, and we did not mention we it. To it. And it was all about things that you could fake eating and smoking and shit on stage. And the class was called, You Put What in Your Mouth? I want to take the class just because that was the name of it. So again. that was great. All right. So, uh, Stephanie, you put what in your mouth? So I'm a little sad. I meant to talk about this last week because it was a little more like apt, but um, it's still fine. <laughs> so... <laughs> The fetish that I'm talking about this week is called VOR, which is V-O-R-E, like gore, but with a V, VOR, short for vorophilia or vorophilia, a fetish in which one fantasizes about being eaten alive <gasps> or eating another creature alive, sometimes known as phagophilia, phag with a P-H. The most common type of VOR is soft VOR. Being swallowed or swallowing whole with no bloodshed. There's also the less common hard vor, which involves the tearing and chewing of flesh. Other types of vor include macrophilia and microphilia, in which one character involved in the vor is larger or smaller than normal. We'll talk about that in a second, too. Many might associate vor with cannibalism. However... Most vorophiles do not favor cannibalism. Vor is an imaginary fetish. That is, it's impossible to perform in real life in the way most fantasize, unlike most cannibalism. Also included with vor is sometimes the furry community, people who are interested in usually anthropomorphic animals, humanized creatures. With animals as characters in vor fantasies, uh, predation is natural and therefore somewhat more realistic. So it's more of a conceptual flesh eating than like a literal flesh eating so think of it less like jeffrey dahmer and more like 
church like drinking like taking communion <laughs> like eating this like this is the body of christ this is the blood of christ it's more of like a symbolic gesture than like a literal so it's not actual human flesh so it's not people who actually want to eat each other because <laughs> there is a story like a, a murder crazy murder story about that right. where a dude there was like web forums where you can solicit people and people who want to be eaten and one guy met with another guy and cut off his penis and tried to eat it but couldn't eat it and then the guy bled out in a tub i feel like i heard about that. i was like have you heard about this i don't want to give it all away in case one of us ends up talking about it but i feel like that's that was it was the dude wanted to eat flesh and had this weird fascination with it and then this dude who contacted him on the forum board was like i want someone to eat my dick. <laughs> this dude was like, Something I'll eat your watching dick. you say that is really entertaining. <laughs> I want someone to eat my dick. <laughs> um, no, I didn't know that this was a thing. And then my sister said something to me about it based on things that I posted on my Tumblr. <laughs> and I was like, reading that description of it, I was like, I kind of get it. Because a little bit, yeah. Like, I don't actually want to eat Whoa, anybody. Stephanie. I don't actually want to eat anybody. But this idea of, like, it's more about the consumption like the idea of like the same way that BDSM right is all about control and like having control over another person. It's like the ultimate control, right? Is like consuming a person and now they're like part of you. But like I don't really like, but I don't, then I don't, you're gonna poop them out. Right. There you go, bingo, which is what which is why I'm so sad I didn't bring this up last time because that was what I talked about with Val in the car. Yeah. Where I was like, but I don't I don't actually want to eat anybody. Like I know they wouldn't actually be I would be pooping them out. They would just be food like anything else. So it's not like a literal thing. I don't actually want to eat anybody, but there is this like sexy idea of like consuming a person, but not in an actual literal way. Consuming like someone being obsessed like control like having that kind of control over someone's like mind <laughs> which is where and this isn't my thing but that's where the macrophilia and microphilia comes in mm-hmm. um because there are people that are super into that that were on tumblr because i was like what is this and people will talk about like their tinies where the same way that people will role play right with age play or with ddlg or whatever with teacher student like that kind of role play there's this idea that, like, someone can, like, pretend to be a giant and someone who's, like, a teeny, like, somebody who's, like, their little person, and they want to be consumed, like, like swallowed whole. That's not a fantasy that anybody could literally actually live out, but you see a lot of, like, that kind of artwork, like, where people who are into it will commission people to draw, like, sexy giantesses just like swallowing men (laughs) which i which i'm like i don't get that like i'm not really into that but i also think it's adorable right i'm like okay whatever (laughs) so it's not like you're teeny like you're Uh, a little boy like you're not like a child you're like a gummy bear for them you're right like you're like just this little and that reminds me of there's a music video Mm. for lit song miserable you remember that song you make me come you make me complete. You make me completely miserable. Yeah. Right. That music video, that was the music video. It was Pamela Anderson, and she was a giant woman, and the band was tiny, and they were, like, playing on her, and she was slowly, like, taking them and, Eating like, them. swallowing them whole. And that's a fetish, and it's called Vor. All right. Not for me. (laughs) Have I ever talked about one that you were like, I'd be into that? I don't think so. Not yet. You're always like, not for me. You're always getting the crazy ones. Which also makes me laugh because when I talk to you, I feel like off, you know, off the record. Off the air. When I've talked to you about stuff like a long time ago in the past, you'd be like, I'm open to stuff. And then I would talk about something. You'd be like. Not not that. (laughs) But then at one point you were also, because I had mentioned uh, FinDom, financial domination, and you were like, yeah, I'd let somebody do all sorts of things, but like, you can't, you can't touch my money. Like, that's not. (laughs) No, you can't. I thought you were going to be like, touch my money. Don't touch my money or my butt. Right. I know you're like, don't touch my butt. Don't touch my butt. Oh, no, don't touch my butt hole. You can touch my butt. (laughs) Don't touch my butt hole. (laughs) 
I do love the you clarification. Can touch my butt. <laughs> you can touch my butt. Don't touch my butt a hole. Oh, please don't touch my butt. I like a good like butt squeeze. Oh, butt bite. Butt squeeze. You were into that. <sighs> I love a good butt. But don't touch my butt hole. Leave that. That's sacred. Would you know the bone right above, like your bottom of your tailbone, is called your sacrum? Mm-hmm. Because that area is sacred. Because it's the Lord's hole. <laughs> <laughs> no! She's Stephanie. <laughs> We're done writing the episode right there. <laughs> I was, was going to just say where we are and then leave, you know. We're in Mary Angel's basement. Okay. <laughs> If you want to help out the show, you can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes or on Facebook, preferably five stars. If you want a sticker, take a screenshot of that review and send it to us at our email, deadtimestories, all one word with a Z, at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, at deadtimestories, slide into our DMs, give us a, give us a hello. Solidity slide slide in there. And thanks for sticking it out for 40 episodes, bitches. That is assuming that you all stuck it out for 40 episodes. (laughs) We might have five listeners at this point. If you stuck your it out brother, for this whole episode, your sister. Good I thought th- this was a good episode. This was fun. I mean, fun. Mm. This was I a good episode. <laughs> was this a good episode? Asking for a friend. If you were to do a good episode <laughs> about a murderer, what would it sound like? I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thanks for listening. I'm hungry. Me but too. not for a Not person. for people. Not for human flesh. Mm-mm. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 